0: If you're looking for a great way to make money, start driving with Uber. If you've used the Uber app to get around town, driving with Uber is just as easy and just as great. Here are some reasons people love driving with Uber. Drive when you want. Need something outside of the 9 to 5? As an independent contractor with Uber, you've got freedom and flexibility to drive whenever you have time. Set your own schedule so you can be there for all of life's most important moments. You make good money. Got a car? Turn it into a money machine. The city is buzzing, and Uber makes it easy for you to cash in on the action. Plus, you've already got everything you need to get started. No office, no boss. Whether you're supporting your family or saving for something big, Uber gives you the freedom to get behind the wheel when it makes sense for you. Choose when you drive, where you go, and who you pick up. So, what are you waiting for? You have a car, you have a license, put them both to good use today and start making some money. You can make thousands of dollars in fares your first month driving with Uber. Sign up today to drive with Uber. Visit drivewithuber.com. That's drivewithuber.com. Drivewithuber.com and tell them your big brown buddy, Chris Denson from Innovation Crest, sent you. <laughs> everybody ready you guys ready you guys ready for another uh, well (laughs) i stuttered over my own joke you guys ready for another episode of innovation crush I can't I literally can't hear you. um hey, everybody. This is Chris Denson from Innovation Crush. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Uh, in case you are just now tuning in for the first time, this show covers all things marketing, innovation, ideas, creativity, people reinventing and rethinking the ways and reasons we do things. So um today we have another fun guest, Maria Celleppe. That's a fun name, yeah. How fun is it fun for you to say it too? It is fun. Can you want to get a little closer to the mic so I can? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. is that, is that Now about? it's intimate. Okay. Okay. Now, <laughs> um, I guess for starters, I'm going to let you give a little. Like, let's do like the the 90 second version of who Maria Celepi is.
1: Oh, okay. I know, right?
0: Oh, well, I mean, uh, we have an hour, so okay, you know, we'll okay, we'll so talk okay. more. But okay, I'm...
1: okay, fair enough. Uh, well, uh, I'm an artist and educator, and I would say people are my medium. So my art has taken all different types of forms uh, from doing a social experiment where I made a friend a day for a year and documented the, the interactions and the conversations to um, visualizing community using custom software that allowed me to art direct their data. And now to the um, kind of talent incubator that I have designed and run. So really throughout all of that, I love designing frameworks that allow people to participate and create.
0: Um, What's a data art project? (laughs) So like I kind of followed that, but um, we'll be curious as to what it it is.
1: Okay. So after spending a year making A Friend a Day, I – kind of started getting curious about what does community look like? Because a lot of people had accidentally, they knew each other. And so I I had created this accidental community. And the next step was like, okay, well, what would a community look like? So I decided to use custom software to track people's GPS data. So if I I gave a group of people a tracking device, because this was in 2009. So this was before there were fancy apps that you just click on. Um, So I gave radio frequency devices to a group of people. And when they moved around, they were basically dropping breadcrumbs. And then I had software that allowed me to art direct their breadcrumbs. So say you would be purple squares, and I would be red triangles, and someone else would be yellow stars or whatever. And so as we move, we are creating brushstrokes on the earth, essentially. Hmm.
0: Why? 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know.
1: Well, I, you know, honestly, it was it was after the Friend of Day project when I realized just how serendipitous life is, right? And that. For example, if you were to miss the bus and you have to wait for an extra five minutes and that caused you to run into a friend that you wouldn't have run into had you caught the bus. And so I kind of started to think about literally like the people you know and how close you come to running into them. And and then what would that look like? What does our mark on the earth look like?
0: I wanted to do this thing uh, last year at CES where it was like giving a group of let's call it 100 or 200 people wristband or, uh, you know, some wearable device Mm -hmm. and doing a very similar thing but also looking at like you said where those connection points happen how many times did you know dot number 62 run into dot number 53 and how long were they together or were they in the same vicinity and didn't connect at all um, and this kind of just look at how serendipitous life is mm-hmm. um, especially whether it's in a business environment or in life in general mm-hmm. um, so I'm going to fast forward a little bit to 72U mm-hmm. Um, tell us about your your role there.
1: Okay. Um, Well, I'm director of 72U, which is our in-house creative residency program. And it's designed to uh, take the participants to the next level creatively and professionally. So that was my charge. So I was brought on to design this program and run it. And so it's basically, it's three months long. We curate an interdisciplinary team of makers. So We'll have aerospace engineers, or architects, uh, designers, creative coders, um, filmmakers. So all different types of wonderful weirdos. Yep. And
0: I should should name this show that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to change it from Innovation Crush to Wonderful Weirdos. I'm going to say. Yeah, you should take it. Thank you. Um,
1: (laughs) So we have all these wonderful weirdos, and we look at what their skill sets are and what where they want to be going in their career, and then I design the projects that we'll work on. So the curriculum gets redesigned every session based on the participants. And we bring in guest speakers, we um, take them on creative retreats, we do these large scale projects. Like right now the team is building a park in Venice. Wow. making art with drones, this session, and a book. So we're doing all three of those things in a in three-month period.
0: So for the sake of people who may not know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what is 72 and Sunny?
1: 72 and Sunny is a creative company, creative agency in L.A., and um, they've been around for 11 years. We've got an office in Amsterdam and newly in New York as well. There's
0: a guy with a beard on your website. And the, from, yes. He's the Amsterdam guy.
1: Oh, that might be Nick Owen. I don't know. Okay. Dude,
0: I just know. I just saw. I just call him Beardy.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or John Boiler, the CEO. But um. But yeah. So it's um. It's the culture is really important to the company, and they wanted to give back to the creative community and um. Do it through this program. So really, sure. to use kind of the purest form of the mission of the company, which is to be a platform for personal growth and creative self-expression.
0: And you have to be, I mean, this, this is for people who actually work there and Mm -hmm. Joe can't walk in. Oh, so this is for anyone.
1: It's for anyone. We have, Hey guys, (laughs) (laughs) sign up. Yeah, no, I mean, it's actually this group. We, five, five of the six people are from other countries. So we find people from outside of our industry really like most of them don't have experience in advertising it's a way for us to kind of tap into other industries um get inspired by you know by different ways of thinking and uh, different points of view so
0: so where do yeah i mean you know I, i think a lot of companies talk this talk right and they're like oh let's go get inspired and let's build you know a thing to do that and bring in speakers or whatever um how did, how did how was the value proposition position? Because it's, it's like for a lot of companies, it doesn't make sense, right? Whatever money it costs you for you know for for your exorbitant salary. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know, <laughs> but no, the salary plus the production plus yeah. whatever else that needs to happen business wise, and like, how does the company justify that and and support it?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. We just had. Um so we have a uh, director of brand citizenship and he did this whole framework for if we get 72 and Sonny 70 gets approached all the time for like, you know, uh, getting involved pro bono stuff, you know, uh, making donations, that sort of thing. And so we really wanted to come up with a way to measure, um, what other projects we should say yes to. You can't say yes to everything, right? So how, what can we, what should we be saying yes to? And then, and then putting all of our resources, you know, um, towards those. uses. Right. So it's interesting because he just presented this to the whole company yesterday, the metric for how we should judge that and really paying off the the mission of being a platform um, for personal growth was how do we give access to um, the creative class? Like, how do we get more people involved and be a part of the creative class? Sure. And so 72U, I mean, this this is kind of in hindsight now because 72U has been around for a couple of years. Um, but it pays off all of that like it, it, it gives access it gets people involved it makes it accessible so um, I think the big proposition is really to give back to the creative community to find talent although that's not the main point secondary,
0: secondary. Just, uh, yeah
1: um, you know I think it also it, it definitely adds to the culture. Like if they took away 72U, to I think it would be a huge hit on the, the company culture. Right. Um, we get attention, we get press for it. You know, we're doing projects that are kind of interesting that allow us to experiment, innovate. Um, and then it's also, it's a source of innovation too. So it inspires the other work we do with brands.
0: That's incredible. I so, I mean, you mentioned people coming from other countries and you're know, probably all over, all, all over the U S as well and central to LA. But, so what what is it like logistically? Like are people like showing up five days a week, or is it you know? I, I used to help run the AFI Digital Content Lab, right? And there were four of us who ran the lab, but we would recruit amazing mentors and project you know people from around the world. But the commitment was like once a week phone call group you know team call to brainstorm and and create, and then they go off and make the thing and come back, and it's just the same thing three months, uh three to six months of time. Uh R I P to the AFI Digital Content Lab, but. But, um, <laughs> so, but yours is still going, so don't don't worry about it. But, yeah, just like logistically, like, how does it all like come together? What's expected of the participants?
1: we they have to be completely it, it's all in for three months. right they can't do anything else. we it's we need them fully invested emotionally and physically five days a week. I mean, it's probably about. 50 hours a week you wow. know I mean, it's it's you know it's, it's like intense it's, it's intense but i mean they're doing fun shit they're making right. parks they're you know i mean it's it's all like passion projects so it's one of those when you're doing a passion project you don't you don't want to sleep you want to just work and so it's not necessarily sustainable sure but it's three months and they get tons of experience and and just it's oftentimes because we do a um uh, we'd be a, we send them give them an evaluation, the alumni, to kind of track the impact over time. Boo!
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just yay yeah or boo. That's, a, that's it. It's only two. That's all, you, that's all
1: I get. <laughs> um, no, it's actually really interesting to understand how it affects them. And especially, like, a year later, they can look back on the experience. Because sometimes right after the experience, like, what just happened? And it yeah. takes a little while for it to sink in. Um, and oftentimes, they're like, that was the most creative experience i've ever had in my life like right. that was that was the most transformative thing that they yeah you know so that's it, it's special it's-
0: well I've, I've participated in a lot of you know events like that you know maybe they, maybe not three months but let's say four days right you go somewhere um there's some remote retreat with a bunch of other really amazing creatives and how do you get people to because you, you get you get in an environment with like-minded people and you get this heightened sense of like possibility and per, internal possibility, external possibility, and uh, and then you go back into the real world, right? Like mm-hmm. these people go back to their homes or their job where they're the only one of them or whatever. Like have you uncovered any uh, advice or, or tips on how to sustain – that high after you leave seventy two you
1: mhm yeah, it's a good question that's something that we want to do with the alumni group too is continue to be a resource for them and and connect them to each other and because they're all makers so they're they're the kind of people that are always tinkering, they always have a project right, and so connecting them to each other so they can share skill sets and passions um, I think you know it, it it's i don't know the exact answer, I don't know how difficult it is it probably I think sadness because it's over, you know, it's a special three month time where they get to experiment. They've, they've got all the support and resources and interesting challenges. And I think it's probably a little tough for them, even when they get their dream job afterwards, it's tough for them to, you know, to kind of go back to normal life. Right. Um, but my favorite stories are the ones where people come in one thing and three months later come out another thing where it totally pivots their career. Wow. So like we've had, you know, a journalist come in three months later, she gets hired as a strategist. Um, An artist come in three months later, they're a creative technologist. So those are always kind of, int- you know, like my favorite stories. That is great.
0: Yeah. Um. So let's let's go back to the, not, maybe not the beginning, but mm-hmm. at least the beginning of this conversation. Uh, you made 365 friends in one year. Um, Why did that project happen?
1: That's a really good question. Thank um, you. And I <laughs> <laughs> I've
0: been practicing, <laughs>
1: um, and I actually made 412 friends oh. in 366 days because it was a leap year. Um, some days I met multiple interesting people, so I'm like, ah, come on board. Right. Um, so
0: <laughs> I, w- I, was, I would like to know what the criteria is for being included and not included. But keep, okay. continue with the, be- okay. <laughs> the beginning.
1: Um, so I was actually at my lowest point in life. Um, so I'll back up a little bit earlier. It was um, 2007, and I was in New York, and I kind of had a great life on paper. I was an art director working on Madison Avenue, and dating my copywriter, and um, just, uh, you know, I felt like I'd made it. You know, I was in advertising in New York. and um, But really, inside, I was miserable. I'd kind of um, just just was stuck personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. So the final straw, I woke up one morning and I discovered a bald spot due to stress on the top of my head. It was about the size of a quarter. And that, I mean, it took my breath away. And that's when I realized, I'm like, you know what? I've got to get out of here. This is, I'm just in a toxic situation. And my birthday was coming up. It was like three weeks later. So I decided that day, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to resign on my birthday. And so I did. I came in and I put – I made my they You're like,
0: happy birthday. You're like, put it down, guys. I got, I got some news.
1: <laughs> I got some news. Are you sitting? Are you sitting? Maybe you should be sitting. Exactly. Um, so I put my resignation letter into cupcakes, made little flags and put them in each cupcake and passed them out at the office and said, this is my birthday and this is my two weeks. Um, so I did that. And then three weeks later, I found myself living in Chicago I had landed a dream job. I was running a um, grad level school for people who want to get into advertising on right. the creative side. Um, so that really utilized, it was, it was kind of the best of both worlds. Um, it was all the things I loved about advertising. And then um, I'm kind of a teacher at heart as well. And so it was great. So I did that for about five years, but I found myself, it was like two months into my new city, my new life, you know, um, I was newly single. And kind of had, you know, broken up with the guy I thought I was going to marry. Right.
0: It's a lot of jarring experiences all yeah. at once.
1: I mean, I basically started completely over. Left right. my city, my friends, the guy I thought I was going to marry, my career, and I realized I was like, you know, something's missing. It's like, oh, friends. Right. Yeah, I don't have any friends. So. Did, you,
0: did you feel like you gave up friends? Like you exchanged career for friends? You know. Well,
1: it was just I. I was in a new city. So, and actually I'm from Chicago, but I hadn't lived there in Shut 8 down. years. Yeah. Right, okay. And so um so I did have one good friend in Evanston, but um you know, she but I yeah, so I was new in Chicago and really was starting over, you know? Right. Um and so that's when I decided, you know what? I'm going to make a new friend every single day for a year and document it as a social experiment. I needed a project. You know, I was I had a hole in my heart. I need to fill it. Um I You know, I needed friends. So it was very practical and it also satisfied my creative urge. So I went on this wild adventure. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, And I had three simple rules it had to be a significant social exchange, I had to feel a connection, and I couldn't go home until I made a friend. And it was actually very freeing not to have control. Right um because I let the project dictate my life. So whereas I would Maria, normal Maria would would go home. It's like, "Oh, okay, we've had dinner, we've had a drink, time to go home." I was like, "Well, the project dictates that I stay out a little bit longer because I've met this interesting person and I need to get to know them a little bit more so right. I can include them in my project." So, it was just really nice to kind of to just Follow this pro- Just totally um, give myself to this project and see where it took me.
0: It's kind of like People of New York before there was People of New York. Yeah, um, which is which is interesting. Um, what types of like how did these encounters happen? Right, were they it was anything on on the table? Like it was a grocery store, gas yeah. station, um, and then what were some of the I don't know some of the personalities and profiles you came across?
1: Yeah, I mean I've I met. Artists and businessmen, musicians. Um, I met a convicted murderer who was just days out of jail. He had never been on the internet before. Um, And he recited poetry to me. Um, I met a stripper, went to a strip club and met a stripper. And she told me her story was very, she was surprisingly... Like girl next door type, right? Um, Did you
0: tell these people that you were doing a project, or was it like? You...
1: No, I not till the very end because I right. didn't want them to play to camera, right? You know, because as soon as someone, you know, they that you would act different. And of actually, course, there were sometimes people would find out too soon, and then they would act different. I'm like, oh shoot, they right. they found out too early, so I really waited until the very end until we were about to part ways, and I'd be like, oh by the way, Chris, I'm um, doing this project. Will you be my, you know, yeah. July 31st or whatever the day it was, and um. But, I mean, really, you know, all different types of people. I mean, just really, like, all walks of life. And I kind of said yes to everything. You yep. know, I'd go to parties or meet-up groups, um, tried to avoid bars unless I was kind of desperate and there wasn't much going on, you know, because it's like, sure. you know, <laughs> a little too easy, you know. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, yeah, just kind of all different. Like, anytime I left op- left my house, I never left without my camera, waivers, a pen, and just the attitude of, like, I could meet them anywhere. You right. Know, just, like, this, having this, op- like, really kind of practice being open the whole year. Um, and so, yeah, so that was kind of my year. And then I brought them all together. I'd write a story. So I'd take their photo once they agreed to be my friend for the day. Um, I gave them a little business card that said thank you. And wrote, I wrote their date. So we they kind of had a receipt for the transaction. And then photograph them. And then that night I'd go home and write, like, a 200-word narrative about the encounter. And so at the end of the year, I had a gallery show, created a poster for every day of the year. So it was like their date, their picture, and then the story, and then an update on our, you know, relationship. Had I seen them? Some of them I dated. Um, So it was just all, you know, all just different types of people. And it was really interesting to see them all come together and see how many people knew each other. And that's when I realized that I had created this accidental community. Because we all felt a part of something. And I would get phone calls all the time like, hey, Maria, it's your May 31st. I'm like, no way. Hey, May 31st. like You will not believe who I'm at. I'm like, who? You're February 7th.
0: No, get really? out of here. Really? Yeah. So
1: it's like they really identified with, right. with their date.
0: That's cool. Um, and then I guess – that experience over the course of a year translates into something, right? You know, I'm going to fast forward again to 72U or just bringing that experience back into sort of a business environment. Mm-hmm. You know, what sorts of skill sets did that give you or just perspective did it give you to take into a workplace, right? Yeah. It, because it's interesting that you walk in these two different worlds of artistry and corporate America, mm-hmm.
1: right? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, really that... I, you know, I studied fine art and I'd always, I, always making art, you know, um, outside of work. That project was a real turning point for me creatively because it was the first time that I was f- focused on the process as opposed to an end result. Instead of doing a painting or a piece of pottery or an object, I was creating art from an experience and using people like having, designing a framework. So, of course, I didn't realize this. This is only kind of looking back and being like, huh, that's... And so ever since then, that's been kind of my mode of creating. So I actually approached 72 very much like an artist. And it's the first time in my life, even though I've always had dream jobs, it's the first time in my life where I don't feel any need to make art outside of my job because I'm so creatively fulfilled Um, and have so many more resources. And and I think my... um, kind of my genius, you know, everyone has a genius. I think my genius is not necessarily in the cra- in a specific craft um, with a medium, but it's really like designing frameworks or finding ways for people to uh, come together and make something. Right. So 72 is very much like that. Like, okay, let's define the team, um, and they each have a unique thing to offer the group. And what would be a cool project that would get them really inspired and get them to shine in their craft but also push them out of their comfort zone
0: it's also like just knowing like you know from a broad perspective what humanistic touch points are like what are those pressure points then what are those passion points that people need to i don't know uh, just showcase Mm -hmm. right so and, and you being sort of the facilitator and like i always tell people the, my career has kind of developed where, because of the people I've met, right, I feel like I can get along in in any room mm-hmm. with any personality type, whether it's a murderer, <laughs> right, in some cases, or a stripper, or you know, the CEO of Virgin Galactic, who was a guest on the show, and it's this broad spectrum of finding the. I, I like to call them the Me Too moments, right, where it's you know, oh, I met this person, and we have this in common, like oh, meet like we all know Maria, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, so that's that's cool. Um, what's uh, what's next for you like is you know as far as like how does this program evolve you know or does it does it kind of stay the same and and if you need if you're if this is giving away the secret sauces let me know but would love to just kind of hear like okay what's the plan beyond
1: yeah no that's a good question um it's uh well first off we have an open source mentality towards the program right. it's really i mean you know, I may sound like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, and perhaps I am, but it's so amazing, inspiring that they're putting this many resources towards giving back. You right. know, really, I mean, it, it's a tre- tremendous amount, and there's no obligation. You know, it's a free program. Um, that we would love nothing more to see other companies do the same. So even if, if we had a, another ad agency, another competitor reach out to us and be like, hey, we want to do a program like yours. Could you help us build it? The answer is yes. Right. Um, I'm happy to share um, the framework. And it, it's, of course, it works with our culture and it has to be modified. So there's no secrets. Um, but um, what's next for 72U, for me, is we're actually scaling. So um, we are going to open a 72U in our Amsterdam office in 2016. So we're now um, we're kind of actively looking for a director um, to run that program. Um, so, if you know anyone,
0: uh, I think I have my resume here. With okay, Maria, the... <laughs> you have my resume. Here? <laughs> okay, cool thing.
1: Um, but yeah, so we're going to be scaling it. We're taking it um, to Europe, and that'll be interesting to see how it it changes too a little bit to kind right. of fit that office. That office is really culturally diverse. I mean, they they have something like forty countries represented out of one hundred and twenty people or something. It's just really like an insanely diverse wow. office. So. Um, um, so yeah, so that's the next step for 72U. Right. Um, and I think also figuring out how to scale, how do we inspire? And I think we have inspired other programs. Um, and that's great cause that's a real win for, for the creative class.
0: Sure. No, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think about Europe a lot, right? In in uh uh, work a lot in innovation and I'm always like every every like really cool example I see is like somewhere abroad um, there was just this one video for a tourist spot in Switzerland and um, some guy was like skyping into like a digital display inside a train station and he was like I'm printing you out a ticket. You should come to Vren right now. And he's like, and people are like now. And so this over the course of the four minutes of this video, you, all of a sudden you see all these people walking up a hill to come and meet this guy that they've n- never seen before. And it was, you know, they documented. It, it was a real experience. Um, you find like, it, it, you know, nobody would do that about I don't know, uh, Big Sir. Right, <laughs> you know. Uh, so I, I don't know. Like as you look abroad, like what are some of the other sort of cultural similarities or differences that you know that you may have noticed or that you're considering in terms of the the a broader diversity of perspectives versus what what's here?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because we, I mean. Seventy two does allow us. That is one thing. It allows us to get more diversity in, and not. And and I want to clarify because I think diversity. People always think race. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it, it very becomes very one dimensional. And actually, we approach diversity like seventy two. You like we look for people that have multiple levels of experience. So we might have someone right out of undergrad if they're exceptional um we've had someone as old as kind of mid 40s you mm-hmm. know so there's age
0: oh no not mid 40s old
1: oh. <laughs> hey <and everybody's-> uh. <laughs> diversity in in age diversity <laughs> in backgrounds and diversity in points of view skill sets so really thinking of like how can we get the most the just the most diversity and not just kind of one dimensionally right. thinking about it one dimensionally um with amsterdam i think it would be more of the same i think um I think that part would be pretty much the same. It, they, I know that their their goal would be to have everyone in the program have English as a second language. Sure. So, um, just I guess, kind of taking what we're doing and, take, and pushing it even further. Um, and I think it's easier to do that too because Europe, it's like they're all the countries are like right next to each other, and you know, it's you've, you've got so many different cultures, so much that their, their proximity works for them.
0: I like I like that, and I'm and I'm jealous of the fact that you're not held to traditional metrics. Right, like most companies, and like again, we we talked about this a little while ago, but a lot of companies want to create these kinds of. Like we've talked to the head of L'Oreal's um, connected beauty incubator, the guy who runs innovation at Adidas, and most of them don't have like any sort of bottom line, right? And I think a lot of businesses, especially if they're in the service in the services side of it, like everything has to make dollars and cents. I said RIP to the AFI Digital Content Lab. We were self funded. But we also weren't contributing to the you know the AFI's bottom line. Um, So you know how I don't know just what as far as like the metrics that you look at. um, What are they?
1: Yeah, no, that's (laughs) a great question because you know it really takes a visionary. Takes someone who gets it at the top. Who you know and and John Boilers our CEO and it was really it's it was his kind of vision to to have this program. Um, and that's the right person to have it cause he'll make it happen. Right. Um, our metric for success is really, have we taken this group of people to the next level creatively and professionally? And so that's why the, um, you know, we, we survey them before they come in and afterwards, um, has their, have they, uh, one thing we focus on is their emotional intelligence. Is that something they've practiced? Right. Um, so we're measuring.
0: Define emotional intelligence.
1: Well, specifically like self awareness, conscientiousness, openness. Mm-hmm. Because we, I've found that those three things are really key when you're working with other people. Right. And so you could have someone brilliant, but if they don't have emotional intelligence, it's um, like I would rather have someone who has high emotional tel- intelligence who is a their portfolio is not quite as good right? as opposed to the opposite. Because I've seen it. I mean, I've seen so many different group dynamics. I'm on my seventh group dynamic. And um, each one is so different. It's kind of fascinating. But um, it's like this chemistry experiment, right. you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like food ingredients. So, like – Both ingredients could taste good on their own, but you put them together, you are like, "Ooh, that one overpowers that one." You know, (laughs) peanut
0: butter and butter exactly. Those two things don't work.
1: That's a great. I found that out this morning. (laughs) I don't even want to know how you found out about
0: (laughs) it. I did not, but uh, but in my mind, I just found out that it's a pretty horrible combination. But
1: so back to metrics. So that I think, um, you know, helping them along their careers. Um, Another metric is, um, you know, is hiring. Have we have we how many have we hired? Right. and really, I would say the goal, kind of our, my personal goal is like 60%, you know, would be great. But again, it goes back to what's in the best interest of the participants. And we we bring people on that we know we can't hire.
0: Right. And that's
1: fine. So it's not like we're looking for necessarily people that we can hire. Um, and I think the other thing too is the program is really focused on collaboration and experimentation. Mm-hmm. Those two are probably the – that's the common thread through all the projects. Right. And so if we can get people after the program to come out and they're more collaborative Mm -hmm. and they're more experimental, then that's a real win. You know, it's kind of getting them to think differently.
0: Does this framework work at, let's say, a Wonder Bread Right, Like it, it, like if you go to a company that's not a creative company, Wonder Bread makes white bread. Are, are, Monday, are they still around? I don't uh, know. <laughs> I'm, see, I, I think I'm hungry. I talk about peanut butter and butter now I'm on white bread. But like as far as you take this, you know, this construct and put it in a new non-creative environment, you know, does it still thrive?
1: I would love to find out. I would love to experiment. I mean, I would, I would modify it. It has to fit the company. And so I would come in and see um, what the needs were. You right. know, I think I would love to do one where it's for the employees because, you know, we engage them. They do get involved with Seventy Two u But, um, you know, we get to play. And, and for creative, you know, we just, we, it's a safe place to experiment and take risks. And, sure. Um, and it would be great to extend that to the employees, you know, just to kind of creatively um, uh, just kind of recharge them. Right. Um, to go into a company that's a little bit more corporate – Um, would be a great challenge. You know, it'd be fun to kind of see, okay, how can we take a group of employees, put them together, give them, run them through kind of an experience for a month. Right. And I guess it would come out, like, what what would the goal be? And then we would kind of design the program for that.
0: Yeah. It's just kind of like, you know, I like to think of this idea that, you know, the creative experience belongs everywhere. Um, and most people don't realize that it's. It, it, sometimes it feels like, oh, it's for them, right? Like, oh, they're they're the average. They're a the really cool advertising agency. We, you know, yeah. we make brooms, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but no, you can make some really cool brooms. Like one of the companies that I really like right now is Casper. I don't know if you've heard oh, of no, it them. they make're a mattress maker, and they've rented this amazing like apartment in Hollywood Hills, and it's like you can come here and come take a nap on our mattress, right? Like because you walk into any mattress store, you like you, you lay all stiff on it just to see if it, <laughs> if um, it works. That and,
1: reminds I had the uh, brilliant idea to do Airbnb for naps because if huh. you've got if you live on the east side and you've got a meeting on the west side. And you need to take a nap.
0: I think those would just be for afternoon delight. <laughs> you just <find, laughs> to be the most stained Airbnbs. Um, that nobody <laughs> like, yeah, I'm gonna take a nap. Quotation fingers.
1: <laughs> no, that's cool. I think um, the I guess the distinction is that they're makers. So yes, everyone True. can be creative, but we look for people that have a craft. Right. So, um, so that's I'd probably the. The biggest difference is like, okay, yeah, you're, you're a creative thinker, problem solver, but what skills can you offer up for the group?
0: Does everyone need a traumatic experience to realize their creative Potential. (laughs) And on the show, like, I mean, we're almost 100 interviews in and a lot of people have like, oh, this, I broke my back. I, you know, I was depressed or, and I'm wondering, you know, can somebody learn from the lady who got the bald spot (laughs) and go like, okay, I want to, I'm going to divert that Mm -hmm. pothole.
1: You know, that's a really good question. Because I always wonder, do artists have to be tortured to make great art? Um, I think... I'm not sure about that. I I do like telling my story because it was the lowest point in life that that kind of gave me um like a rebirth in a way. Like it like recalibrated me right. and, and totally changed my perspective and my trajectory. So I love telling that story because we've all kind of at one point hit a low point and it's like what you do with it, you know, like do you sit there for a while and stew on it and not learn from it? Or do you like use that as inspiration to get the hell out of there and, and change something? Right. I kind of I kind of feel like maybe you do, you know, maybe it takes something extreme to get you to really make a big change. Right. Um I mean, I've since it's not like I've had to go dip in low points to do other things. It kind of that kind of uh
0: That's like the new starting point. It was the new starting point. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it was. And then now I'm inspired and it's, you know, it's kind of this feedback loop. And so now I don't have to go to dip into these low points to like do something interesting, you know?
0: I think it's like, you know, if you're boxing that after you get punched in the face the first time, you're like, okay, I know what that feels like. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I want to avoid that. What were some of your internal cues before the bald spot happened, right? You you mentioned like, oh, you had, you were, you know, strutting down Madison Avenue, (laughs) right? And like, I'm sure that like on the surface, that was a happy life. And you probably even believed it was a happy life. But what were some of those like, kind of looking back, what were some early cues that you're like? Hmm. If I had paid attention, then I may not have gone through the bald spot experience.
1: Yeah. Well, I also had restless leg syndrome, which is a real thing, and it, that's exactly. <laughs> I what don't
0: believe like. it.
1: It's exactly because I was like, God, it kind of had restless leg syndrome. Like, I mean, that's what exactly right. what it feels like. And I typed it in. I'm like, Oh my god, it's a thing. Um, and I was suffering from hives that made my doctor gasp. Um, so those two things you were one hot lady. I was a mess. Restless
0: legs, <laughs> hives, bald spots. This is. <laughs> I know,
1: I know, but um, I wouldn't change any of it. Um, it it you know honestly, it took that extreme. Like my body was yelling at me. Right. And it kind of took it. It kept giving me signs, and it was not until the bald spot I was like, okay, got it. Right. You know, I gotta make a change. Um, I think I had wanted to find a new job for a couple years, and actually, this is kind of an interesting takeaway that I'd like to share. I'd been looking for a new job, kind of on and off, a little casually, you know, uh, not – yeah, just kind of haphazardly. And for three years and telling my friends and family, oh, I need to get a new job and blah, blah, to the point where I was sick of hearing myself say that. Right. And then it wasn't until I decided to quit and I didn't have another job lined up. But I'm like, I got to do this. I'll figure it out. I'm moving to Chicago, you know. Literally two hours later, I got a phone call. Offering me to run uh, a portfolio school in Chicago, which is where I happen to be moving, and so my takeaway was like, God, I was when I played it safe, nothing happened, and when I was willing to step off the ledge because it was what I had to do, that's when the net was there and like this great opportunity. Yeah, and I feel like that's happened over and over again. You know, I mean, it's not being reckless, but it's not being afraid to take risks.
0: Yeah, it's being trusting. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's uh, one of my favorite quotes is, it's kind of a metaphor, but it's like life is like a GPS system. Even if you take a wrong turn, it'll course correct you. Mm -hmm. And so not being afraid to like take a wrong turn because you'll you'll get there eventually, right? Um, Maybe not in the speed or the form that you were looking for. Mm -hmm. But um, what's, what's surprised you most since, I don't know, in the last... 10 years, just,
1: I would say um, I equate my professional success to all the things I did that I never got paid to do. And I have been lucky to always have a dream job. Um, You know, at the time that was my dream job, but I still was always making art on the side, doing these social experiments and whatever, and putting all of my kind of disposable income towards my art, whether it's like developing the software or whatever, Um, making a friend a day, which is not cheap because you have to go out every day. Um, and then I eventually got to a point, I kept doing that stuff just because I, I had to do it. I right. wanted to do it. And I got to a point now where my passion project is my day job. And and so I tell I love to tell young creative people, like, just always do side projects. Always do that weird, those ideas. Um, make them happen because, it A, it tells you a lot about yourself. You don't have to compromise. It's, right. it's who you truly are. Um, and employees want to see that, and like, who are you outside of work? Um, but it also is what separates you and makes you interesting. Um, and and so yeah, so I equate my professional success to all these like random things that I did on the side, and I never that wasn't my intention. Um, right. So yeah, that's that's kind of surprising.
0: I um, I freestyle when I uh, rap when I leave my office, just to myself. <laughs> Sometimes I'll turn a corner and it'll be like somebody be right there. Like, I wonder if they heard the last line I just said. I wonder if they, what
1: record label they work for.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I I do only do live demo tapes. In elevators. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I wanted to ask you, well, let's, let's, let's do this. Um, I don't know, give us a couple of a couple of things, uh, a couple of examples of your other art projects. I know we were talking about this a little earlier, but you've got, you know, the data thing and the friend a day. What's what else is kind of under your uh, artistic?
1: Well, that I mean, those belt. are the two biggest ones. Because right. With the data projects, I mean, that was three or four years. Like the friend a day project was something I did for two years because I made a friend for a year, and then it took me a year to edit and right. do all the stuff for the gallery show and then the data portraits was like probably three or four years so those were two those were big chunks and i was iterating right um and then i think you know this is 72u is i would say in my art form and yep. we're making tons of stuff like in the last two years we've made um two short documentaries one of which has been selected by 17 film festivals um And uh, if you get
0: that number up to 72, that would be ironic, right,
1: right, right on. Yeah. (laughs) On point. That would be amazing. Um, But so I look at I guess that's an extension. So in the last two years, we've done short documentaries. We've done immersive music event, kind of redefining the live music experience Mm -hmm. um, so that the guests feel like they're in a work of art. And um, we're building a park right now. Um, We painted two four-story murals on the CNN building on the parking structure. Wow. Um, so um, I mean we've done we've done a musical poster so yeah. when you touch it it makes music. So we do so I mean really that's an extension I think cuz I I don't tell them what to execute but I define the problem sure. and then I see what they come up with and creative direct and produce help produce it. So yeah, so I guess I would count that as as my art form as well.
0: What does the What does the idea of commitment and or perseverance mean to you?
1: Mm, That's a really good question. Well, I learned that with making a friend a day for a year, and I learned to harness peer pressure. The only way I was able to do it was it was so public, and so I knew people – we're gonna say, oh, so who'd you meet yesterday? So I had to keep going, so that was really interesting. It was like, oh, if I if it was a private, like, oh, let's take a picture a day. I would yeah. fudge it and be like, oh, I didn't take one yesterday. I'll take two today, but I had to be honest, like because it was public, and, right.
0: What's kind of like, share, you know, the the underlying layer that to, to me is like kind of sharing your dream, right? Like sharing, and there's always a balance between how much you share, how much you don't share or when and why and who and all that stuff. But like you said, if I mean, it's accountability,
1: it's totally accountability. And like, another, like hack, I guess, around that is, um, there's been times when I have a project where I'll meet with a friend every week, and they've got a project too, and we'll meet and we'll will declare what we're going to do for the next week. Like, I'm going to have this done by next week when we meet. And we would, you know, give each other feedback. And so that was a way to kind of keep projects moving. Sure. Um, I think um, collaborating, it's one I'm really passionate about the idea of collaboration. And um, I think it makes the work better. You've got checks and balances, but also it helps you persevere, right? You've got a group. So if you're kind of low or like, oh, I need a pep talk right now, you've got someone there. You, right. You know, you've got people that, you can share the the weight and the and keep each other moving forward. Well,
0: stuff like that also helps to increase your emotional intelligence, right? Like just that, like that baby step of mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, of like sharing a disappointment, which is the are the th- especially uh, with the accountability. I'm sure there were days where you just absolutely did not want to do it, or it's you know, eleven o'clock at night, and you're like, shit, I didn't have met that friend yet, um, and there's this personal pressure that happens mm-hmm. that we need to relieve, you know, somehow with these accountability partners or yeah. Yeah, the people that come. Well, and also
1: one thing too that we're, I'm doing now with the group that's been kind of like revolutionary as far as team dynamics is um, we meet on Friday afternoon, we grab a beer and we talk about the highs and lows of the week, like, or basically the challenges and the wins. Right. And it's great because it allows a pressure valve, you know, they're working, it's intense, crazy deadlines and pressures and um, personalities. And yep. so it allows them to like put shit on the table and get it off their chest and talk about it so it doesn't build up. Um and it also allows us to kind of talk about the wins. So much happens in a week that had we not taken time to reflect, you, you forget. Right. So that's been huge as far as um, ha- get, ha- allowing them to, like, persevere through projects.
0: Yeah. With uh, a, a team that I work with, I always do, like, what was a challenge from last week? And, or what was a win from last week? And what is a hurdle, mm-hmm. that, that you know, that's coming up? And so that allows, yes, to, like, celebrate the win. Like, oh, my gosh, that's great. And then also, like... Be, be prepared for the difficulty. Yeah. Right. So. And be able to
1: share it too. Like being able to say what you're ner- nervous about or concerned about mm-hmm. kind of diminishes the, you know, once you've said it out loud, it's like, oh, okay, that's what that is. Right. right. And then you've got people to help or.
0: Unless it's something from outside of work. I'm like, whoa, whoa, I don't want to, I don't care yeah, about your mom.
1: exactly. TMI. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do not care about your mother. <laughs> um, it's uh, The show is called Innovation Crush. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you currently crushing on out in the world? Is your, I mean, you've probably seen a lot by all these different different personalities who have come into your walls. Um, but, you know, what What have you been exposed to lately? You're like, oh, my gosh, that is amazing.
1: God, that's a good question. Um, well, there was just this really cool event that um, – the art and tech event that was held at 72 and Sunny called Nerdy. And they um, – actually, a former 72 er puts it together. And it was five just kind of brilliant – art and you know interactive artists and creative technologists and what they were able to do with code was just amazing. So I think so that was kind of neat to just see. So it's not one particular person or thing. Sure. It's more just kind of like what is possible. Like I guess I'm crushing on the whole art and you know art and tech world like what is possible. I think like it's going to be interesting to see what's happening with yeah. VR um and and just code as the new kind of medium of the 21st century it's like the new oil paints of the 21st century
0: Hmm. that's that's an interesting twist yeah Because, uh, you know, I love when I interviewed a woman goes uh, by the name of Zanka. She's a street artist, but also uh, does a lot of stuff with VR and AR and, like, technology. I mean, just really sick stuff. And, like, old Japanese sculpture stylings from the 1500s, uh-huh. you know, combining that with the technology. Um, but we got into this idea where artists kind of are the ones who help us take the technology to the next level. You know, most of the... The nerdy people who are um, tinkering around with the stuff is like, oh, look, what we, look what we, what we can do, and it's crude. And then an artist, somebody with a creative skew, comes along and says, "What if we put it in this context?" Mm-hmm. And then a business goes, "Ah, that could be, you know, reach the masses if we did it this way." So it's this idea of like, I don't know, like a the, the a snowball effect.
1: Totally. I mean, that's really, I think the the pioneers of the twenty first century are these, you know, artists that work with code and. Um yeah that's where the innov I've, I so much innovation is happening.
0: Um last but not least, hmm. complete this phrase for me. Innovation to me is
1: Innovation to me is solving interesting problems in ways that haven't been thought about before.
0: I like it. All right. I like it.
1: How'd I do? You did. Did you I get great. an A? Did I get an A on that?
0: Boo. No, just kidding. <laughs> Isn't is that your evaluation process? Boo and Yay? Uh, I give you a yay. Okay, a full okay, full okay. on no. yay. Okay. So, I don't know how decibels are measured, but it would be up there. Yeah. <laughs> um how did you feel?
1: I felt pretty good about it. Good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> good. Well, I want to thank you for dropping by. How can yeah. how can people find you, Selepi? Uh, on yeah. the uh, – I, lo- I love saying your name for some Isn't that
1: fun? <laughs> you can just call me Celepi, just, you know. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, you can find me Twitter, uh, Maria, at Maria um and Instagram. I believe that's my Instagram hashtag. Um, and then also at 72andsunny.com. Just, go- just Google Just you. Google me. You'll find me.
0: Nice. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. This has been another incredible installment of Innovation Crush, and uh, we will talk to you next time. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Sleischinger, Slicing. I've been friends with her for 10 years, A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and 3 comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.